This is episode 56 of the 200 Churches Podcast. How do you stay encouraged as a, as a church planter? You know, I'll say the obvious one first, but it's so true. Uh, staying close to Jesus. I, I even tell our staff all the time, I, I really don't care how talented you are. If you're drifting from Jesus, you're drifting from everything. And so that to me is, is kind of square one. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches podcast, where we are focused on pastors of small churches, 200 churches. Every Wednesday, we release a podcast episode that will lift your spirits, lighten your load, and let you laugh. After the podcast, be sure to check out our website at 200churches.com, where the guys post every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And now, here are two guys who lead in pastor in a 200 church, the Tom and Jerry of Ministry Podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Jeff Cady, and I'm here with my friend, Johnny Craig. And this is a cat and mouse game, Johnny. Wow. This podcast. I thought you were going to introduce yourself as Tom. Well, no, no. I never, I, I, you know what? I used to pay my son to take the mice out of the house after they get caught in a trap. <laughs> I could not pick up the trap. I'd give, I'd give my son, Joel, $1 per mouse that he took out. Are you afraid of mice? Uh Let's not talk about it. <laughs> definitely, okay. definitely. I have a few. Really? Okay. I have a few mice stories and a few bat stories. Wow. That we'll probably never see the light of day in the podcast. So. That's probably for the best. No. Well, we started this morning early. My alarm went off at five. We had a six a.m. elders meeting. Oof. I wondered if you were going to be late for it. I was not late. You were not late. I the joys of living next door. I woke up five minutes before that oh, elders meeting. Oh man! So I had to get up an hour before the elders meeting. That hurts to be ready. This yeah. just shows the age and you know differential. What? Thank you for you and the coffee. Yes, that was a nice touch. I made the coffee, although I don't drink any of it. Yeah, that that's selfless. That's so, servant leadership. We so could do a podcast just on that. We wanted to recommend to you that if you've never done an elders meeting or a deacons meeting or any kind of board meeting early in the morning, there's two advantages to it. The first advantage is everybody is fresh. Yeah. Now, you'd think that everybody would be dragging and tired. But the truth is, when you have a meeting at 7 or 8 o'clock at night... That's when they're tired. They're dragging and tired then. Yeah. They're, yep. they're looking toward their bed yep. or their, their television with a, you know, a bowl of chips or something. I mean, they're, they, they are not fresh. So the first thing is, everybody's fresh. The second thing is, there's an urgency to finish because they got to go to work. That's exactly right. And that's the nicest piece of it, I yeah. think, is that the agenda items get moved through quickly. And uh, you, you don't have to sit around and, and talk about everything because that that's happened when we have when we've had them at night before. So I like the morning meetings, even though it does mean waking up. Yeah. So it worked out well. Yeah. It worked out well. We got a lot done this morning. We've had uh, we've had good meetings this morning. So Johnny, something else that's working out good it is our podcast. We we don't really know why, but we're very <laughs> thankful for yeah. those of you who are listening. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for your downloads and your listens and and your reads of the blog as well. You know, in January we were averaging about a thousand downloads a week, which yes. is I think far ex- exceeds anything that you and I thought we well, would Well, remember, I said if even we could even encourage 12 pastors yeah. every week. Yeah. So 1,000 is a little more than 12. Yeah, so this has been very, it's been very cool to do this over the past year and, and to know that, that you're out there and you're listening and, you know, you're enjoying 
apparently, <laughs> what what is being offered here. And our guests are so good. I don't take any of the credit. I think a lot of it is the guests that we have here on the podcast. Like today, we have a fantastic guest in Brandon Cox. But we would just like to thank you and then encourage you to continue to share the podcast with others. Um, we're making uh, We're making a dent in encouraging small church pastors, but there's still tens of thousands more. Yes. And honestly, we feel like they all deserve to be encouraged. And and I just want to point out we don't make any money off of the podcast or the website at this time. I mean, maybe in the future, but right now we do not and we don't have any immediate plans to do so. This is all done as a ministry. It's something we love to do and are motivated to do. So this is, we're not asking for money or charity or or trying to use you to increase our profits. Well, maybe a little charity. Oh, well, okay. That'd be nice. <laughs> But uh, Johnny not... doesn't. Johnny doesn't know about the money that's coming in. Don't tell him. <laughs> exactly. It's all going straight to your PayPal. But if you uh, if you have friends who you could share this with, that would be fantastic because we just want to see this message go nationwide uh, and encourage pastors of small churches who are doing huge, huge kingdom things and deserve to be respected and honored for it. When the truth is, it's gone nationwide. We just wanted to be a little more dense. That's true. So from Florida to Maine to Washington to California yeah. to Texas to Minnesota. I think we're in all 50 states. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but we just, you know, there's a lot of guys and there's a lot of women right. out there in ministry. Encouragement, encouragement is mm-hmm. the oxygen of the soul. Exactly. And that's what we want to provide. Now, this is the first This is the first uh, Wednesday of the month, and normally we would have Carl Vader's on. Carl, the Shark Vader's, has been so good to us. <laughs> We've had two different times when we were supposed to record with him, and because of things on our end, we've had to we've had to yank him around a little bit. Yeah. And he's been so helpful in that. So he will be on next week. So if you were hoping he was on today, you can look forward to that uh, next week. Now we're going to be done here in just a little bit with our podcast, and I am taking off. Today is Monday. It's noon. I am taking off with my son to go up to Minneapolis. We're going to see the Lakers play the Timberwolves. Oh, boy. And since out of 30, the Lakers are ranked 25th. Yikes. You know, we just like them as people, right? We're not even worried about how they play tonight. But uh, my son has uh, kind of gotten to know some of the announcers, and so we're actually going out to eat with a couple of the announcers for the Lakers and maybe with some of their uh, coaching support staff. Wow. So – we're kind of excited, and next week, if you listen, I'll tell you how far, how deep we got into the roster oh, of, of relationships on the Lakers team. Well, I hope that tonight they do better than the Broncos did last night. Well, last night was the Super Bowl, if you're listening to this you know, out in the future ways, uh, and as you probably know, the Broncos got lambasted. Yeah, well, they, you know, so now to get Broncoed. Yeah. (laughs) That's not good. You don't want the Lakers to get Broncoed. Well, see, the Lakers can't get Broncoed because nobody's expecting them to win. But the Timberwolves could get Lakered tonight. (laughs) So perfect. Now, today we have a guy named Brandon Cox. He is here with us, and uh, he is a church planter in Bentonville, Arkansas. Yeah. And we've got a lady in our church who's from Bentonville, Arkansas, and she's looking forward to listening to this podcast. So Brandon's from Bentonville. He's planning a church there. He spent a year at Saddleback. He is the content organizer and administrator for Pastors.com. Pastors.com, the second most important resource on the internet for pastors. Absolutely. What's the 
What's the first? 200 churches. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so pastors.com and the and Rick Warren's ministry toolbox. Yeah. Links for all of these things are at 200churches.com at our post for this particular podcast. But without further ado, here is our conversation with Brandon Cox. Well, today we are here with Brandon Cox. And Brandon, you are a small church planter. I suppose all church plants are small churches, but you are a church planter in Fayetteville, Arkansas right now. But that you haven't always been there, have you? So tell us a little bit of your story, where you came from, and, and how we got connected to you. Well, when I, when I started out in ministry, uh, I began pastoring a church when I was 19. It was a church of about 40 and spent a year and a half in two churches uh, about that size. Then I spent eight years in a church of maybe 60 or 80, um, grew to about 100. So Beyond that, spent five years in Arkansas at a church of less than 200. So 15 years of, of pastoral ministry in churches, 200 or, or less in size. Loved every minute of it. And at the end of that five-year run, I received a call from Saddleback Church uh, inviting me out to help relaunch the Pastors.com community, um, the online website, platform, content, all that good stuff. I, I spent one year at Saddleback, and while I was there, we were just talking all the time uh, amongst the leadership about how do we plant more churches, which is something my wife and I talked about uh, for about 10 years, somewhat informally. And it just felt like a lot of things were lining up at the same time. Um, I was getting pastors.com to a place where I could actually run it from a distance. And so Saddleback kind of sent us with their blessing and support to go uh, back here to the Bentonville Rogers uh, Walmart headquarters area and start a new church from scratch. So we've been at that two and a half years now and just had our two-year anniversary since launching. So it's kind of where we are. That's great. So in two years, uh, how is the church doing in two years? Is it is it where you had expected it would be, or uh, uh, what's the status of it right now? I would say it's where we expected it to be. I think all of us hope for more, but expect maybe something realistic and, and fear the worst. So <laughs> somewhere in that range, yeah, I think it's about where we expected it to be. Uh, the last couple weeks have brought kind of a surprising bump in terms of attendance. But up until two weeks ago, uh, you know, averaging 160 to 170 for the last several months. So uh, we're, we were pretty pleased with that as a, as a great place to to be right now. Brandon, before we got started, I was joking a little bit with with you, and, and I felt bad immediately, and I made the joke, does Arkansas <laughs> really need more churches? Which is terrible, because obviously church churches everywhere are important. But what drew you to Bentonville? Uh, what what drew you back to Arkansas for that, and, and made you think, hey, this area, this area could really use a new faith community? Well, first of all, I actually think it's a great question, even for church planters to have to field. Because uh, in all honesty, a lot of churches get planted maybe for motives that aren't necessarily the best. and We may not even realize that. So to have to articulate why we want to plant a church somewhere, I think is a good thought process to enter into. For us, we had spent a few years in this area previously. Uh, the last church that I had pastored was in the region. And we just fell in love with the culture here. Bentonville in particular, uh, we're right on the line between Bentonville and Rogers. And Bentonville is the home of, of Walmart headquarters, and because of that, the community is changing rapidly. Uh, a town that just 30, 40 years ago was a small town, four or 5,000 people, 
is now a town of about 40,000 with neighboring towns of 50 and 60,000. Wow. And it's just growing like crazy. And people are coming from every direction. And what we find is that the churches that exist here are great churches and they're doing a great job. But it's kind of a drop in the bucket when you think about the number of people coming from different cultures. So now there's this complexity of how how do we as churches in this area reach all of these people from all these different walks of life? Uh, You know, right down the street from my house is the first Hindu temple in the state of Arkansas. It's here because hundreds and hundreds of families have transferred here from India for tech jobs. Well, that's something that is is a whole new area to tap into to to ask the question how do we how do we reach those neighbors so when we look at the demographics and numbers you know ultimately uh, about 22 to 25% of northwest arkansans are attending church every week now a lot more than that would call themselves christians but a, a small percentage actually attend on a weekly basis so uh we keep saying there's a whole lot more room in our particular neck of the woods, at least, for more churches. And when we hear of another plant coming, we, we get excited because there's, there's just a lot of people to reach. So were you aware of this Hindu population before you moved there? I was, yes. And it's it's one of those challenges we're struggling to figure out how to how to break over into. And we've come up with ideas as, as strange as let's start a cricket team because uh, those who moved here, that's kind of their <laughs> yeah, favorite I love sport. That. Yeah. So we're we're brainstorming that kind of thing all the time. You could be yeah. the first cricket team in Arkansas. <laughs> could be. We're going to stink at it, but we could try. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll tear you up. That's all right. So, Brandon, how about your leadership team? When you got there, uh, you know, what was your initial investment in terms of people? Was it just you and your wife, or did you have some other leadership there with you? When we hit the ground to, to plant, it was my wife and I, and it was one other couple. And that was, that was all that we knew would be part of day one. We sort of used Facebook and a few other things to just build relationships, make connections, and got some conversations going. So we we wound up having about 30 to 35 people at our very first meeting, public meeting. And then a couple of months later, I talked with a couple of worship pastor friends of mine and said, you know, our our second person we really want to add to the team is is probably going to be a worship pastor. Who do you know? Two different guys gave me the same name. And so Neil Greenhall joined us as our, our worship pastor about a month and a half before we launched uh, publicly. So uh, then it was the two of us. And since that time, we have creatively pieced together a staff of six. But that you know, only only two of us are only three of us are full time. The other three are creatively part time. So you've got three full time, three part time. Yeah. Yeah. And, is that- and when I say full time. Probably not full, full time. Both of us have other things that we do to supplement. So we're, we're still kind of bivocational, but what we do on the side relates to ministry. So a lot of overlap. It's a good, it's a good fit. Gotcha. So, so you do have ministry partners and you guys encourage and uh, kind of build each other up. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So you said that you've got, uh, you know, work on the side as well. So you are bivocational. Um, what kind of support did you have when you hit the ground there financially? Saddleback had sent us kind of with an initial seed, so to speak, that, that really was designed to help us get through that first six months when you don't really have a congregation, mm-hmm. or at least you don't have a congregation of believers who are tithing and that kind of thing. 
And then we also had some other partners in different places, uh, a little bit of denominational support. We're part of the Baptist Missionary Association, so they poured in a little bit to us. Partners like uh, friend Cliff Johnson, Ron Sylvia, guys like that who were also sort of chipping in. And that's beginning to kind of fall away now, uh, which we expected, and that's mm-hmm. a good thing. So you know, what we've looked at is in the first two years kind of transitioning to where now about 75 to 80% of our budget is actually covered by the church uh, and the people who are being discipled and who are giving and that kind of thing. That's very cool, yeah, to to get there in two years. That's awesome. Um, I have a question kind of about, you know, how you stay encouraged. I know that being a I, – I attended a church plant before I started coming to Dover, uh, started working at Dover, and, and it seemed like, there, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs. The ups are very up and the downs are very down. So how do you stay encouraged as a, as a church planter? You know, I'll say the obvious one first, but it's so true. Uh, staying close to Jesus. I, I even tell our staff all the time, I, I really don't care how talented you are. If you're drifting from Jesus, you're drifting from everything. And so that to me is, is kind of square one. But then also staying close to my wife. We've, we've tended lately, probably been on more date nights in the last year than we have our whole marriage, just trying to really spend a lot of extra time together. She's a huge encouragement because we can kind of check out a ministry and, and, and talk a little bit. The other thing I would say, and this is kind of part of my passion on the pastors.com side of things, is pastoring other pastors and being pastored by other pastors, I think is huge uh, because we know that everybody leading in ministry, we're one big band of brothers. We like each other. We love each other. But we so often don't intentionally reach out and mentor people or get mentoring when we need it. So that, those three things to me are, are huge, close to Jesus, close to my wife, and try to have some other pastors that I'm close to as well. Helps a ton. Do you find yourself like overwhelmed by busyness or you've got your finger in, in too many projects? I mean, it sounds like you're involved in a number of different things, or, or are you just a good administrator and you can handle those things? I would not have defined myself as a good administrator just a year or two ago, but I think there's been a lot of refining uh, in my life over the last two years where now uh, I'm much more focused on the big things happening at church and the big things happening uh, on the the pastors.com side of things. And so now I feel like life is a lot more manageable than it was previously. There was a time when I tried to do uh, freelance design and consulting on the side and and, and frankly, just took on too much. And it really complicated life because what I found was I was trying to answer to too many people. Mm-hmm. So for me, what's restored sanity is getting down to where I'm accountable to God for how I lead this church every day. And I have a boss that I answer to at Saddleback Church for that role. But I don't have a lot of other people that I'm always having to meet demands for. That's helped tremendously. So what are the unique challenges in, in your area? You talked about a, a Hindu population, but now just over the past two years, because I know we'd have church planners listening to this uh, podcast, and what are some unique challenges that you have found and you have had to face and handle over these last two years? Part of, I think one of the challenges we face that most church planters would echo is that we, we do live in a country and in a region of the country that. It has its own Christian subculture. And so I think there are a lot more people who label themselves Christian than are truly actively involved. And because of that, you know, we have all the Christian bookstores, Christian radio, 
because of that, we're trained to think like consumers. And so when you're planting a church, um, particularly the kind of church we, we wanted to plant, we want to be very careful when someone checks us out who's already t- tied in somewhere. That's been a big challenge. And we've tried to creatively come up with ways of nicely and in a friendly way uh, kind of helping people stay where they're at and not come over, if that makes sense. That, that's one of the challenges around here, I think. And, and another one is just this, uh, this ethnic diversity that exists in this area. Because when that ethnic diversity creates tension in the community and in the culture, well, it's hard not to have that tension in a church family. So if if they're on opposite sides outside the church, uh, it's really hard to gather people together multi-ethnically when when those same issues can divide them inside a church. So those are two of our biggest right now that we face. Is your church fairly diverse at this point? I would love to think that it is. We've had to kind of evaluate. It started off more diverse than it is now. We have quite a few different ethnicities represented, but not a large number of any of them. And, and we've even tried to make a lot of effort. We One of our staff members is Hispanic. His name's Jorge. And Pastor Jorge translates our services live every Sunday. He translates a lot of our um, publicity materials uh, into Spanish. We've done several outreaches in primarily Latino neighborhoods, but we have still struggled to make that good impact. Uh, ultimately, we'd love to see 35-40% of our church Hispanic because that's what our community is. Uh, but we're nowhere near that. So I would say we're not nearly as diverse as I want us to be. Are there other church planters down there in that area? You said the whole area is growing. Are there and are you in, you know, in relationship with any of them? Yes, uh, there are quite a few um, over the past five, six years who have come in. Uh, in our town in particular, uh, you know, there's a couple of churches about 10 or 12 years old that have done great. Another one about four or five years old called Metro Church. They, they've really managed to reach a lot of young adults and uh, kind of artsy-minded people. Um, and and we, what's nice is that most of the planters in this area and quite a few of the pastors have a kingdom kind of mindset. For example, the one of the largest churches in the area, uh, Fellowship Bible Church in Northwest Arkansas, they put together what they called the I-540 Partnership. It's named after the interstate that runs through all these towns. And it's just about 25 guys, uh, probably half of whom are planters, all of whom want to see more church multiplication happen in the region. Get together every few months and just talk about some of the community challenges that we face, sharpen each other. So I really love the collaborative culture that's here, for sure. Now, if you were to speak to a church planner in the Midwest or in the or in the West, you know, where there's a lot of just a lot of geographic space in between them and mm-hmm. and the next church or the next church planner. In other words, they they just don't have fellowship. They're not getting encouraged. Yeah. You know, what would you tell them if they're in their second or third or fourth year and they're really not seeing the results they wanted to see? And they're just down about it. I think I think one thing is to, to for me anyways, uh, relying quite a bit on, on social media to make introductions to new people that I didn't know before. Um, a good example of that would be uh, the, when I first encountered Michael Cheshire. He's at a church in Conifer, Colorado, which is like that. The, the, the population density is rather sparse, and they've kind of taken root in a, in a small town. The church has actually opened a couple of businesses in that town. They've really become a hub. Well, we've looked to them and learned a lot from them about what it is to be a church in that context. But I never would have known about Michael uh, had it not 
been for just looking around for like-minded people on Facebook and Twitter and, and other channels. So I think that's huge, just just trying to find new people to meet and be introduced to uh, over those channels. I also think it is important. I, I don't think you have to go to the biggest, most expensive conference as far away as possible. I, I do think you've got to find some places where you can rub shoulders with a dozen other guys at least on somewhat of a regular basis. Uh, even if you initiate it, you know, I, as as a pastor, even of an established church, I would occasionally have church planners call and say, man, I just need to connect with somebody. And you always love doing that. So I think reaching out and saying, hey, I, I really need some help where I'm at is is huge because we, we do tend to isolate ourselves. Um, I've certainly fallen prey to that at times. So I think just reaching out, breaking the ice and, and just, just saying, hey, I, I need kind of a friend in ministry right now to walk through some things with me. Uh, can I bend your ear a bit? And most pastors, they need it too. You know, even the guy you're calling needs it as well. Absolutely. And hey, you're you're a church planner, so you know what it's like to be out there. You know, what would you say to a church planner? I mean, what, that we haven't covered already. Just some challenges, some yeah. u- burdens that are unique to you guys. Well, I think in terms of looking at where church planners are today. There are a dozen different ways to plan a church. There are a dozen different philosophies and models and paradigms. But I think at the end of the day, uh, church planners have to go into the situation knowing that their motive is to to fill a community with the person of Jesus and the doctrine of Jesus. That it's not for glory. It's not for power. It's not for control. uh, That it really is for the gospel's sake. And I think... That's probably the first and biggest question that, that I would say planners have to tackle today. And the other thing that I would throw out there as well is size and growth are sometimes sensitive issues. And for a church planter, you look around and you see, you know, the, the first thing you want to do is read stories of the Bill Hybels, the Rick Warrens, and you go, man, why am I not running 80,000 in the first two months like, like they might have been? And I think you have to back up from that and say, what is success? And for us, success is that that one person whose life is different, who's been changed, that one person who's gone from being distant from God to being restored to God. And you have to begin to celebrate the right things or you'll get discouraged uh, way too quickly. Talk to us about, just for a minute, about pastors.com. How is that? I mean, I've been to pastors.com, but I guess because I've been so saturated in Saddleback for so long, Sometimes I feel like there's really, you know, nothing more that I'm going to get. Uh, but just tell yeah. us some things that, that I wouldn't know and that the, the typical small church pastor wouldn't know about pastors.com. The emphasis that we have on the content that we like to produce is very much on a how-to level. When we, when we talk to authors that write for us, uh, whether they're inside Saddleback or out, we kind of tell them what we want you to be thinking about is the pastor of 100 or 200 people who may not know how to do something, whether that is to, to record a worship service, launch a small group ministry. Uh, you know, those are the kinds of questions we really like to tackle. Uh, our favorite kinds of content are, you know, how do you start this? How do you handle that? So that, that's kind of a big thing. And the other thing about pastors.com in particular is that we, we really try to focus on, uh, you know, purpose-driven ministry, meaning 
we try to organize our content around how do we help churches become healthy in each of the five major areas of church life. So we'll talk about worship, fellowship, evangelism, discipleship, ministry. And our goal is how do we kind of strengthen churches and leaders in each of those areas uh, one at a time. Other than those uniquely those five purposes at the end, it almost sounded like pastors.com is just 200churches.com west. <laughs> yeah, well, I would say there is a news element as well. <laughs> we, and a notoriety you know, we element. That. We try to avoid just being news. And furthermore, we, we, we actually try to avoid theology, not in a bad way. Uh, we certainly support the core doctrines of Christianity in every respect, but we try not to get into the issues that are just hotly debated all the time. Absolutely, because I don't think it produces anything usable by pastors. Well, we're in the same we're in the same boat. I mean, we just some you know a friend of mine said, "Hey, you need more you need more instruction. You need more training on your site." And it, but if it's going to involve theology and telling pastors how to think, I mean, they're already pastors. They're already somewhere. We just want to encourage them in ministry and not instruct them in theology. So uh, we understand that. Yeah. Well, Brandon, tell us uh, where we could find you online, and uh, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how they could do that. The quickest way would just be my blog is brandonacox.com, and that's kind of got links across the top and down the side to, you know, on Twitter, Brandon A. Cox, and it's got links to Facebook, um, the book I just wrote, other other sites I manage, so all of that is right there. The book you just wrote, Brandon. Tell yeah, us about this book. We didn't know about the book. I actually have a book releasing February 4th. It's called Rewired, and it's a little bit of philosophy and history um, about how God has used technology over the last 2,000 years. But it really quickly goes to what technology looks like today, how it's developing, in particular social media. But it's, it's not just a book about social media, uh, but it's very heavy on why is today an age when gospel can perhaps spread further and faster than ever because we're moving back toward conversation and relationships as opposed to just mass media that's impersonal. So that's kind of what it's, I'm what digging, it's about. I'm digging the cover here. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I'm digging the cover. And, and it's probably not going to hurt you to have a foreword by the man himself. Richard Warren. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> He was he was generous in offering that, yeah. No, that's awesome. I'm about to pre-order. And that this book, I mean, that's that's really interesting, Brandon. I don't know that I've really heard anybody else talking about it just quite in that way. And yeah. and the cover is pretty compelling too. I mean, just all the different ways that technology is. You said you're a designer. Did you design this? No, uh, someone. Uh, it's published by Passio, which is part of Charisma House label. Someone there, much more artistic than me, designed it. So <laughs> it's very cool. I like that. Well, Brandon, it has been great to have you on, and we look forward to staying connected with staying connected with you in the future. Uh, and we are certainly encouraging our, re- our our readers, yeah, your future readers who listen to <laughs> Two Hundred Churches podcast to uh, to get on get on Amazon and order that thing because uh, that looks like a really cool book. So. Brandon, uh, any final words before we say goodbye? Man, I'm just I'm just honored to, be, to get to be part of this and hope it's an encouragement. You know, the last thing I'd say is, uh, to me, email only takes a few minutes. So anybody out there tracks me down through my website, once, has questions, wants a dialogue, I'm more than happy to, to talk further. So just that. Great. Thank you for, for being with us, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. 
Hey, thank you guys. That was our conversation with Brandon, and I think you should take him up on his offer. You know, send him an email if you have questions about what it is to plant a church, or you're just looking for encouragement, or man, if you have been blessed by pastors.com, any of those things, you know, I sincerely think Brandon wants to reach out to people and, and have conversations with pastors. So, you know, take him up on that. You could spam him too. For sure. I'm forwarding him all of all of my stuff now. All the forwards that I get, I just send them right on to Brandon. <laughs> Like you asked for it, Brandon. No, but you know, one of the things I liked that Brandon said was he talked about how uh, Bentonville has changed so much in the last five, 10 years and how they have the first, what do you say? Hindu temple is right down the street, right, right? Right. From him. And the context that they find themselves in has changed so much. And so uh, I think what we want to challenge uh, you to do is think about those outside your church right now. Okay, and on the podcast we've talked before about not looking past the people in your church to maybe the people who are not yet in your church. We're not really talking about that. What we're talking about is think like a community member who does not have any say in how your church runs or the forms or any of that, and think, what would that person like in a church service? And so do an informal census of your community and try to figure out, has this community changed from the time since I showed up, like Jeff has been at this church 10 years and this town probably hasn't changed too much, but a lot of places do change quite a bit in 10 years. It sounds like Bentonville Mm -hmm. has changed enormously in 10 years. And so do, do an informal census of your area of your community and try to determine what would be the best way to reach out to those who are outside your church right now. Well, if you were on the outside, think about it in your context. If you were on the outside of the kingdom looking in, what would you want your church to do to reach you? Exactly. And that's a hard thing for us to do, especially for those of us who have been pastors for decades. We can't imagine living in our community and being on the outside looking in of a church. So what would you want your church to do to reach you? And I got a question for you. Could you be a church planner in your own church? In other words, Somebody asked me one time, they said, Jeff, do you think you have another church in you? I said, oh, yeah, I got another church in me. I Really? Where? I said, yeah, right here. I'd like to have another church in me right here in the church I'm at. Right. To see our church change and, and develop and grow, and whether it's get healthier, grow spiritually, yeah. whatever. Yeah, we, we, this is our first talk with a church planner, I think. In the future, we'll have even more. Church planning is important and is a hugely beneficial thing and plays a a large part in, uh, you know, us fulfilling the Great Commission as a church. Um, But not everybody needs to go plant a church. We have plenty of churches that just need uh, to be turned around or churches that need to find a new way to to communicate and to uh, speak into their community. And so that's the question we're asking. Instead of hearing this story and saying, maybe I could bolt and become a church planner. Well, you know, that'd be great if that's what God's call is. But could you plant a church right where you are? The church that you have, could your church find new ways to speak into the context that you find yourself and almost act as though it's a church plant right where it is? I tell you what, you'll have a leg up on all the other church plants. Well, you've already got a church. Yeah, you're ready made. You've got an office, you've got support, you've got a building. Maybe you just need to change the nameplate on your on your office door to say pastor slash church planter. There you go, yeah. Yeah, so... so. That was a great conversation we had with Brandon Cox, and we look forward to developing our relationship with him in the future. 
We're so glad that you listened today. And again, however you want to do it, if you would share the podcast with others through whatever social media you use or whatever relationships you have, that would help us to encourage other people. Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and challenged by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday to provide you with more ministry encouragement as you pastor your 200 church. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love your people.